Welcome to the Selling from the Heart podcast, your home for authentic, effective, and socially integrated sales strategies to help you master the art of selling. Join your co-hosts, Larry Levine and Daryl Amy, along with some of the world's best sales thought leaders and practitioners as we explore ways to help you grow your sales. Hello, and welcome back to the Selling from the Heart podcast. Your co-host, Daryl Amy, here today with Larry Levine. What's going on, Larry? Uh, you know, um, Dodgers are on a roll. That's, That's it? it? That's all you get to talk about? No, no. I had to, I had to, throw, some <laughs> I had to throw some baseball stuff in there. But well, there you I'm, go. I'm My Toronto Raptors got roasted at the end of the game last night, so I'm a little bit sore today. Uh, but... Not, not a, none of that withstanding. We've got an awesome guest today. We've got uh, some fantastic insight. This is a podcast where uh, if you're driving, don't do this. But if you're not driving, I think you're going to actually want to get a notepad out on this one because I know we're about to learn some stuff and it's going to be fantastic. But by the way, if you're new to the Selling from the Heart podcast, welcome. You've joined a growing group of sales professionals that are dedicated to being genuine, being authentic, bringing true value. We call it Selling from the Heart. And uh, a huge shout out to, to our sponsor this week uh, to send out cards. You know, Larry, it was amazing. I remember um, a couple of years ago, I was working on a sales team and I was working um, with an executive in New York City. And we'd gone to New York City. He'd taken us out to a wonderful dinner. And I'll New never... York City? In New York City, Larry, big time, right? Manhattan, the Big Apple, took us out to dinner. And of course, what do you do when someone's done something nice for you like that? You send them a card, right? And I remember I went back next meeting. It was a video conference. Walk into the video conference. He's got a folder. He holds it up and he holds up my card. And he goes, Daryl, this is the first time in I can't remember how long that somebody said thank you to me. And it was in that moment I realized the power of the card. So big shout out to send out cards and the way you're empowering us to be able to say thank you and to make a personal connection. But man, I want to dive into our conversation today because we have got um, an incredible person here with us, a thought leader, a friend, and this is going to be a lot of fun. So Larry, why don't you introduce Amy? Well, you already kind of did, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have to start because I really owe an apology to Amy Franco because it's been forever. We've been trying to coordinate schedules trying to get Amy to come on the podcast. And I was like, before we went live with this, I go, man, this has been a while. So my apologies, but I can, we can't wait to dive in and talk to Amy Franco. And, and what we're going to talk about today is just going to be great stuff. She's the, the author of The Modern Seller. So this is going to be, this is right up our alley. So without further ado, Amy Franco, welcome to Selling from the Heart. Hey guys, thank you so much for having me here. It's great to be here. Yeah, so as we get started, I'm looking forward to diving into the modern seller, but the question we ask all of our guests uh, is going to be a softball to you, and, and that is, what does it mean to you when you hear the words selling from the heart? The first word that comes to my mind is authenticity mm -hmm. and being genuine. I, I like the idea of, or I always think about the idea of um, thinking about others and putting others ahead of ourselves in the world of sales specifically. So yeah. those are the things that come to my mind. 
Well, but, he, but, he, but here's what, here's what's interesting. And, in, and, in, and I always like, cause those are a lot, a lot of times, those are the words that we hear. And yeah. then, I mean, they're near and dear to us, but what I always like doing is I always like flipping it around. And I'm just curious what your thoughts are on this. Yeah. If we believe, you know, obviously in the authenticity and being real and being genuine, then in your opinion, what prevents some of the salespeople out there, you know, to really dive into this and say, Hey, okay. You know, I get it. Authenticity. I get being real, but fill in the blank. Why do you think they struggle, but they know it's so Uh, important. Right, right, right. So I think it can come from a couple of places. Um, One place can be the culture of the organization that you're in. Mm -hmm. Do they have the right sales culture? Do you have the right leadership in the organization? Because that makes a huge difference in our sales teams and the way in which we go to market, the way in which we, we treat our customers, our business partners, what have you. So I would say internal organizational sales culture. Mm. And then secondly, I would say that sometimes we feel like we have to show up as something that we're not in order to be successful. Yeah. It's that authentic, uh, authentic mindset. And I think this is kind of a great bridge into the modern seller Right. Because as you look to the modern seller, I think that you came to the realization that it takes more than just new gadgets and technology that we've got to start thinking differently. Right. Yep. In the book, you will see very little reference to gadgets, technology, because by the time that book is out, it's changed. Right. (laughs) And that's exactly, but to your exact point, this is, we have to think differently. We have to show up differently and that the technology should be supporting us in that. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's, well, it's interesting because uh, there's so many of us that hide behind the technology. And I said, you know, Mm. it's time for us to step away. Right. I mean, obviously we're going to do stuff via keyboard and technology and all that. I get it but there's a way to humanize yourself through the technology as opposed to hide behind the technology. Yeah. And I would even, uh, for myself, I, I feel like a work in progress on this because I do have to consciously get myself out from behind the computer screen. Right. And even I'll say, do I need to email this or can I pick up the phone and call? Can I potentially schedule something that's in person? What are, what are other ways I can handle this that might be more genuine and be more effective in the long run. And you just key and you just keyed in on that because in fact, this just happened yesterday. I was involved in, um, I do a lot of not-for-profit work Yep. and I was involved in a reply all email yesterday, late afternoon. And it got, and, and finally the reply all started getting to where it was just the reply from the original person to me. And it kept going back. And finally I said, Oh, time out. I picked up my phone and I called this person. They go, why are you calling me? I said, we got to stop. We got to stop banging on the keyboard and actually have a conversation because we're missing the point on this. Usually after something gets to about three or four emails, I want to pick up the phone and have a conversation and I will even coach clients or team members on that too, because there's so much you lose in intent and tone that come that you may just not even be picking up on because we're, we're inferring a lot of stuff. So I'm curious, Amy, and by yeah. the way, I love your name. Uh, but I know, we share a lot of time here. <laughs> I can't not say that. Awesome name. Uh, but no, I'm curious, you, you know, you, you went on this personal journey, kind of this transformation from a very uh, long and successful career in technology sales and, 
and and you you made this shift into what you were before into the modern seller. I mean, what did that journey look like? How how tell us a little bit of the backstory on this? Yeah, sure. And I will say I'm still on it. <laughs> Aren't we all? But um, but but where I got my start, the the first let's call it ten years of my career, I was at IBM and at Lenovo, and I sold the ultimate commodity. I sold PCs, laptops, tablets. I, I was selling a commodity product and yeah. I had a mix of clients. I had corporate clients. I had public sector clients. I, I had a mix in there. So this was my, as I, as I was reflecting and writing and researching for the book, these were probably the first places that I realized that I was making a modern seller journey, but not necessarily being conscious of it. <clears throat> so in selling a commodity product, it, you're always being forced to have conversations about price. Because right. the lowest price wins the day. And I, my competitors could beat me on price six ways to Sunday. Mm. And what I had to figure out was how do I change the game to be a better seller and to accomplish my objectives? And early on in my career, and especially in this computing space, I needed to, I, I recognized a niche, which was up mobile computing in the space that I was in at the time. And I turned myself into a mobile computing expert. Oh, wow. And I had to make that shift. I make it sound like it happened overnight, but it certainly was anything but. But I had to make that shift from transactional seller to an expert in a space that made me stand out from my competitors and made my prospects and clients want to seek me out because I was doing something different that would make a difference to them. Wow. So, uh, which first of all, wow. Awesome. And we just literally uh, wrapped up a webinar where we talked about getting valuable before you get visible. And I think, you know, if you look at the modern seller today, um, that journey is, is we've got to come to the table with some value, with something useful with, you know, not just saying we're a subject that matter expert, but actually being an expert in our area and doing the work to get that done. Right. Yep. It, it is one thing to be a, to be a thought leader. It yes. is another thing to be a thought leader and someone who has the, the real deep expertise around, uh, implementation or whatever that might look like in your industry. Yeah. I, I see the the need to merge that real strategic thinking with tactical application. I see our prospects and clients expecting more of that from us than ever before. Yeah, you, and you, I just got to play off something real quick, Daryl. Yeah, because this is music to my ears. Because you know, I so came good. out of a commoditized market as well. Mm -hmm. and you always hear right, it's the race to the bottom, right? It's mm -hmm. the race to zero and so forth. But it was, it was just like you and my transformation, that whole journey, that took a while to really, you know, comprehend that, you know what, I could hold profit. I could be the highest price in a commoditized market because I understood the value that I brought and I was the expert in my field and it was the mindset that I took yeah. on my journey to say, hey, you know what, I can either succumb to having those transactional conversations, which you're just going to get whacked with a hammer all day long, yeah. or I could seek to transform those conversations. And that was by the expertise and the knowledge that I'd bring. One of the other things I learned in that journey was that I had to be more selective about the types of prospects and clients that I was looking to do business with, mm. which is way easier said than done, especially yes. if you are working in an organization, you are on a quota, you're in a territory. It, I 
don't mean to oversimplify that. Yes. But I have to get smarter about my choices of who I was going to work with. Oh my, I, you know, we could spend, we, we should do a whole other episode on that because Done. I think, <laughs> oh, seriously, let's I mean, do it. <laughs> when you work, oh, I've been on a rant about that all week. When you work with the wrong clients, it, that you just have to start with the right clients. And those are clients that recognize value, but I, I want to go to the, the, the modern seller. You'd identified five attributes. You call them dimensions yep. of the, the modern seller. Give us a quick rundown of, of, of these, because I, I know this is going to be so relevant to, uh, to our audience. Yeah, so just a, a slight bit of context. When I was um, doing my own research and working with my own prospects and clients, I was starting to see the, this need, if you will, for building skills behind the skills. Mm, so things like right. you know prospecting, presenting, negotiating, closing, those things don't go away. Yeah. But what I was seeing was this need to build some foundational skills behind those skills that would make us better at mm. everyday selling activities. So that was a little bit of the catalyst that made me think about what am I not, what, what gap am I seeing in the marketplace in terms of the types of skills that we need to be talking about? So, That's so that was the, the catalyst for it. But, but, but the big five are that a modern seller needs to be agile, okay. entrepreneurial, holistic, social, and an ambassador. So, so, so those are the big five and um, we can dive into them in, in any which way you'd like. Yeah. Well, let, yeah. let's just unpack those real quick. I mean, yeah. to be agile, I mean, so what, what does that mean to you in the context of, of sales? Yeah. So, so agility is so interesting because, you know, 20 years ago, nobody was talking about agility except, you know, on the sports field. Right. Right. Of course. So, so in the, in the last, let's call it five to 10 years, agility has really come on the scene. And, and in fact, uh, in the next few years, and I would even argue today, agility is one of the top five skills that is being hired for. And, and that, that's a, that's a broad statement beyond sales. Yeah, I think but that's good. In the sale, in the context of sales, someone who is agile, they are nimble, they are able to pivot with confidence. And I think one of the biggest hallmarks is that they are able to take lots and lots of information and able to process through it in a way that helps them provide really unique original ideas to their prospects and clients that help them make their business better. I think that's great. I, that's one of it, the biggest hallmarks. Like it, I think it was Mike Schultz that said, um, you know, sales reps don't add value. They are value, you know? Yes, absolutely. Right? And, and that's so good. That agility, that ability to look at a situation and actually bring not a brochure to the table, um, not a, but actually to bring ideas to the table. I mean, that, that what, Oh my gosh, we got another podcast episode to go. What can you do to cultivate agility? I mean, what, what, what's a big, you know, what's a tip you can give to our, our listening audience to cultivate agility? Yeah. So, so one, one strategy or tip is to be able to identify and bust old patterns. Mm. There, there's a great book that I always recommend. It's called the power of habit by Charles Duhigg. Yeah, um, right. Great, great read. And it, it, what it breaks down is the way that our brains actually build habits. Yes. And, and I won't, won't go too far down the rabbit hole on that, but, but the idea being our brains are wired to build habits and those habits can sometimes become ruts. Yes. And our ability to become aware of where we might need to bust some old patterns 
can help us to build agility and build new patterns that serve us better. So one way to do this is to take a look at your sales day and what, what are the different things you're doing throughout the day and where might there be an old pattern that you need to maybe put a twist on. And we have a lot of blind spots. So if you have a coach, a sales leader, someone you trust to help you dissect that a little bit, you'll get there faster. Yeah, that's good. And yeah, I'll throw and, a shout and, out. And I love that because um, the whole blind spot thing's near and dear to me. Yeah. Because, you know, when I'm coaching sales reps and sales teams and things like that, I'm always pointing out blind spots and red potential red flags, not to get somebody uncomfortable to say, hey, listen, you got to be aware of these things because one day it's going to it's going to bite you where it hurts and you got to yeah. be prepared for it. No, that's good. I'll give a shout. I've been reading uh, uh, Dr. Cooper's book, The Other 90%. I get to see him speak uh, last week at a technology conference. And it's that same, you know, breaking the patterns. Awesome. So they're entrepreneurial. That's the second thing. Um, What does entrepreneurial look like in terms of a sales rep? So someone who is entrepreneurial, they don't just see themselves as an employee of their organization. They see themselves as the founder, CEO, chief bootstrapper of their territory, their book of yes. business. Yes. And that's an entirely different way of behaving. Yes. And you know it, you know it when you see it, be, when that person is looking at the top line of their territory, the bottom line, mm-hmm. their opportunities, their product mix, their clients, they are looking at it as a business. And when you look at it as a business, you are taking a completely different ownership stance and you will be way more successful in achieving your numbers, exceeding your numbers when you're running your business like a business. Incredible. Yeah. Holistic. That's number three. Yep. So a modern seller is holistic. And this is really where we as individuals are part of that equation. Okay. Someone who is holistic, they realize that they have a finite amount of time, energy, motivation, and discipline in any given day. And the way in which we invest those resources directly impacts our ability to be successful in sales or as a sales leader. So they're very strategic about their productivity. Mm. And they have, they have routines, they have habits, they make very specific choices about where they invest their time. Love it. Love <laughs> yeah, it. This is so good. Cause I, I've always <laughs> said time management's important and, 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 you know, we hammer on our salespeople for a good time management, but I think energy management is yes. even more important than time management, right? Can I bring that energy to the table? Yeah. And, and so you just, you just uh, jogged a thought, which is, you know, when we're talking about this, we'll often talk about our energy levels and just one, one, one strategy or something that would probably feel very common sense. But if you're running on zero sleep for multiple right. days in a row, when, when we are sleep deprived, we have more challenges in our decision-making and controlling our emotions. So imagine those two things playing against you when you're going into some kind of high stakes presentation. Yes. You're trying to close a big opportunity. We can really hamstring ourselves by not having, not making the right focus on our energy levels. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because um, I get up at some wacky hours of the morning, Amy. (laughs) um, It's just because I don't know. 
nevertheless. But what I found out a long time ago is when my brain worked the best and when I had the most energy was from the time I got up until early afternoon as my energy levels were at, at peak. So I tried to do all my a type work, right? All my a type meetings, anything that required masses amount of brain power from early morning until right after lunch. And then it was hard. You were hard pressed for me to go on in a meeting at three or four in the afternoon, just because I knew I wasn't going to be at my best. So what you're saying is we're coming on the tail end of your, your energy. <laughs> yeah. Great, Larry. Thanks no. for giving us your most <laughs> No, but, but, you, but you know, I mean, I just learned how to, you know, in, and I'm not a psychologist with this, but I learned how my brain works the best. Yeah. It does. And I go, you know, I got to maximize that window of time the best. so I don't screw around with it. Uh, well, yeah. Too. So when you're thinking about high stakes things, you're working on things that take a lot of that, uh, that executive level thinking, if your energy is down at four o'clock in the afternoon, but you're forcing yourself to do it, your work product isn't going to be as good as it could be if you did it at eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Bingo. Yeah. yeah. I think that's good. And I think we need to think more about the the holistic side of it. I mean, I'm, just, I'm laughing as you're talking because uh, my wife has us on this whole 30 diet. We're reading like ultra oh, yeah. foods for like, I'm a week and a half in. And uh, you know, what's funny is as much as I make fun of it and complain and all of that, I feel terrific. So you know, and, and I know that the days where I exercise, I feel terrific. And I think when, when we get in that, you know, go got to hit quota mindset and we're hitting drive throughs and skipping workouts and, and all of those things that, you know, that has a toll on, uh, on our effectiveness and productivity. And it's, it's costly. It's really expensive. And if you're a sales leader and you have a team of say 10 people looking for the signs of burnout on your team, Oh, that's and good. Yeah. Stay, staying ahead of the curve on that becomes really important because if you have a team of 10 and half of them aren't firing on all cylinders, it, there are just so many other downhill effects for that. Right. Wow. So they're agile, they're entrepreneurial, they're holistic. The next one I know is not really that important, but we'll talk about it anyways, is being social. <laughs> being social, right. <laughs> so, so I have to tell you that most people's first reaction with this is, getting um a, a tutorial specifically on social selling right yeah. um, Which social is selling is part of the equation for sure yes my my focus is on the um the idea that social capital is never going to have a line item on a pnl right but organizations and individuals that really get it they understand that the investments they make in their strategic relationships has a direct impact on the opportunities that they create and the results that they create. And the, uh, the, the chapter in this book provides some frameworks for thinking about how do you go about building those strategic relationships? And then what are the, what are some of the, um, it does not get into tools because again, the tools piece of it changes so often, but it provides some foundational frameworks to be thinking about when it comes to how you approach your relationships. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, if you hang out with Larry for more than uh, five minutes, you hear your network is your net worth, right? I agree 100%. And social is not about a, a any platform. Social is about building relationships and, you know, relationship funnel, right, Larry? Well, yeah. And, 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 here's the, and here's the thing that I always like to stress to people is human beings are social. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, it, it's that it goes back to that, you know, we crave that sense of belonging and so forth, but somewhere along the line, we lost that in the sales world because, yeah. and I always say, you know, we've dehumanized it somewhere. I don't know where it's happened, when it's happened, but we've dehumanized it. Maybe technology has something to do with it. And I said, you know what, we have to rehumanize what we do inside, not only our places of business, but inside what we do with our clients and prospects because we crave it. I mean, we, it, we just crave that social interaction. And if we don't, we know what happens. And the, the, the social element, to your point, prospects and clients, but also within our organizations and the, the sales culture that are built within organizations, the, the social factor has such an impact on that. And I, I think we sometimes underestimate um, or don't think closely enough or pay enough attention to the sales cultures that are being built in organizations because they can, they can erode without you even being conscious of it. And then you're so far down a path that you have to make some big pivots to get your culture back. Boy, haven't we seen that happen? Oh yeah. <laughs> I've been, I've been, sure. a, I've, unfortunately I've been a part of, been a part of that. Right? Same here. Yeah. 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 Well, the last thing is that the uh, modern seller is an ambassador and I'm really curious um, how you unpack that and, and what your thoughts are on that. This is probably the one that gets the most questions or piques the most interest. And the, the concept behind ambassador is that, uh, you know, we, we are functioning in this, this new sales economy and there are so many trends, uh, cultural things happening, technology, um, technology elements that are affecting the way in which our prospects and clients are going to market and it's changing their expectations of us. And one of the downhill effects on that is this, uh, the concept of satisfaction versus loyalty. Okay. And satisfaction used to be kind of the bar. If we had really highly satisfied clients, we had arrived. Right. I would argue that that's not necessarily the case anymore. And that even a client that considers themselves satisfied may be open to switching. And yep. what we need to be doing is working towards uh, loyalty. Loyal clients are more likely to continue buying from us. They are more likely to help us expand our territories, our books of business. And so this idea of behind ambassador is paying attention to really, truly understanding what is most valuable to prospects and clients, and then making sure that we're delivering on that so that we can continue to earn their business and, and deepen that share of wallet, and then also use it as a springboard to building our book of business with other prospects and clients. Wow. Because, um, you know, I, I always talk about the experience and, and the, the wow factor, right? What, what are you going to do to continually enhance the experience? Because, you know, my biggest challenge, Amy, to the, to the sales community out there is are the relationships that you really have with your clients true, right? Yeah. So in, in other words, and this is my challenge is I think a lot of times the relationships that salespeople think they have with their clients may not necessarily mean that's what the relationship is until you really dig in deep and claw into it. And how many of your clients are actually, you know, to your point, loyal. And then I go, you got to be enhancing the experience because if you're not continually enhancing the experience, when it comes time again for them to think about doing business with you, what have you done? for them to hand over their hard-earned corporate dollars to you to continue to do business if you haven't done anything to enhance the relationship. And, and to this exact point, um, in that section of the book, there are four inventories that, that can be used to assess 
where you are with prospects and clients. And one of them is called the loyalty engagement inventory. And I will sometimes do this in workshops. And one of the aha moments that always comes out of this is I have them do this. I have uh, clients do this with a loyal client and one where maybe they see the relationship being at risk. And even with their most loyal clients, one of the aha moments that always comes out of it is, oh my gosh, I still have opportunity here to do more, to build my advocates or to um, go deeper into the relationship, even with a client that I really consider to be loyal to me. Mm. I always say it's amazing. It's amazing what you learn. I said, your best source of help and your best source of growth is so close to you. Many just fail to realize that because they just, they just don't dig in. They just, it's the, they're missing something when it comes to that relationship with their clients. And I always said, you know, they're your best source of help. You just got to ask. And that, that really comes back to your first question is, you know, what, what is selling from the heart mean? That is part of selling from the heart yeah. and that's having some courage and, and taking the time to really dig in to learn that so that we can become better as salespeople. Man, what a great conversation. I'm so <laughs> sad we're running out of time. I, you know, as we end today, I'm, I'm just curious if you had one thing to say to, and we've got a great audience of people that this lines up a hundred percent with in terms of passion for what they do and willingness to change and do the hard things. Um, what would you say to that sales rep that's listening to this going, yeah, I think I, I think I need to evolve. Yeah. So what, what I would say is kind of a, a parting thought, if you will, is this conversation is as much about leadership as it is about sales and our prospects, our clients, our organizations, our communities, they need us to be willing to step into a higher position of leadership, whether that's self-leadership or whether that's leadership in the organization. But my encouragement will be to take on the mindset of a leader. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these things that we're talking about today will, will start to click into place because you will have the courage to step up and want to practice them and get better at them. Wow. That's fantastic. I, if you haven't got a copy of The Modern Seller yet, you're going to want to get this book. Uh, this is this is just gold. And Amy, thank you so much uh, for sharing time with us today and, and sharing your insight. This has been extremely helpful. Thank you both. No, yeah. You're welcome. Awesome. I'm sure we'll be talking again. Um, and also thanks to our, our sponsor, Send Out Cards. You can check it out and actually send your first card for free at cards.sellingfromtheheart.net. Uh, But until next week, keep being genuine, keep being authentic, keep doing the hard work, become a modern seller, and most of all, sell from the heart.